As you know, Pastor is not here today. He is shooting deer, and he got himself an eight-point buck. He's watching live online, so we're just, I'm just going to tell him, Dad, get another one for me. Get a couple more, and because uh, I didn't go hunting with you this time, I decided to stay home and, and uh, help out with the church. And sometimes you just travel so much, you're just like, ah, I just, I just want to relax. So um, this morning, he asked me to preach, and I was thinking about doing a Thanksgiving message, and then the Lord gave me something else, and he says, I want you to preach on people getting ready. And you may say, what are we getting ready for? Well, there's a lot of different things. It's not just ready for the rapture, but we're getting ready for what the Lord is doing and what's coming uh, on the earth, and we're getting ready for the harvest. We're getting ready to minister to people. We're getting ready for that times, are, as you've seen, are changing. They're not going back the way that they once were. And um, I felt like he started giving me some things, some things I had no idea were um, really even in the Bible until he started talking to me about them. And so readiness is always good because when you get ready for test day, you want to be ready and you want to be ready when you meet the Lord and you want to, you know, when, when the next thing comes on the earth, you don't want to be caught off guard for what's coming. And we already saw in the last year a lot of things that changed the course of America. And I think a lot of that's coming back and we just need to be ready. So this also transpired on um, two weeks ago, we were at Mary Fran's service and she was preaching and she got up and left and walked out the door and Pastor Doug gets up at the podium and he stands there for a minute. And uh, you know, and I'm, he's very in tune with the Holy Spirit and he said, we're gonna take up the offering. And then he said, Justin, the Holy Spirit said, get up right now and take up the offering. Oh my goodness, I don't even have a notes or a sermon. I'm not even prepared for an offering. But what am I? I'm ready. The Lord's been preparing me. I've been reading all of Mark Hankins' books. I listen to sermons. And sometimes all those hours out on my lawnmower, cutting all that property, going, God, so much land. But what I do, I play sermons back to back because there ain't nothing else to do but just listen to Jonathan preach, listen to Brother Mark preach. Um, you know, you can listen to music, but some of that's just, you can do so much of it, and then it's just, you're just wasting time. Because you, you can be studying something, learning something, especially as a pastor. I have to be instant, in season and out of season, being ready. So um, all that time, so I got up. I didn't think about it. You just, when God tells you it's you, if, that, if this man's right, I got up and I stood. And as soon as I put my Bible down, which I didn't even use, I turned around and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? And I thought, well, you know what? I'll just say something real short and sweet. And boom, as soon as I turned around, it hit me. And I started preaching for like 15 or 20 minutes. I don't even remember. All I heard was Megan and Ocel back there saying amen. And maybe Zach back there saying amen. And... Um, then I couldn't see anything. I don't know if it was because of the lights and it's so dark in there. I, I didn't know what I even said. I know pieces of what I said. And then um, we went back into the back room and I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. What, what just happened? It's like the Holy Ghost just took over me. And Mary Fran was telling me a few days later that everything that you put inside yourself, he can withdraw on it at any given time. You people, I mean, I think about this. You forget a lot of stuff, but it's really still there. Your spirit man took it in and saved it. I mean, there was one story I told. I only heard it one time, and I told it almost word for word from Jonathan about talking about sowing a big seed. He said, sowing a seed that will provoke a harvest. So he talked about giving his Cadillac because he says, I want to fly private. And the Lord says, well, you want to fly private, you're going to need a private jet seed. 
So he says, well, what do I got to do? And the Lord says, you need to sow a seed that's going to provoke that kind of harvest. And I was teaching on that. I only heard that story one time. But God started to pull on me, but I was ready. And I believe that God's going to start doing that. There's going to be moments in our lives where God's going to call on you, but you have to be ready. If you're not ready, you're not a vessel. How are you going to be a vessel of honor ready for the master's every good work when you've never put the master's words inside of you, the word inside of you, right? And so preparation time is never a waste of time, especially with the Bible, because God will start to use you. And um, the more ready you are, the more you have in you, the more work he can you know, the vessel of honor, it says in the Bible, it's ready for the master's every good work. So I think to become a vessel of honor, you're going to put a lot of preparation. I mean, Joseph, I was telling this first service, he spent his whole life in preparation for standing at second command of Egypt. Why? God had to build character in him. God had to get the me out of Joseph. Joseph was... Uh, you know, sold into slavery. He, he could have gotten bitter and mad. I'm sure some of that had to get out of him about what his brothers, but he didn't get upset about it. And then he rose to the second of command in Egypt. And then um, obviously Potiphar's wife did what she did, say that, you know, uh, f- you know, they didn't have any fact checkers back then to say that what uh, Potiphar's wife said was fake news or not, but there was no court. So they just said, Potiphar's wife told Pharaoh, Joseph tried to sleep with me. And he said, into the prison. That, you know, that's that's sad when you don't, they didn't even have a court system, at least from what the Bible said. So he's in the prison and he's in there and then God promotes him and he starts being used by God in the prison system. Well, then the baker and the other soothsayers get thrown into prison and, and Joseph does mighty works in the prison to where they were like, when we get out, we're gonna tell Pharaoh about you. And, and Joseph says, tell him to remember me. Tell him, Joseph, you know, did this for you, blah, blah, blah. God said, absolutely not. That's not happening. It's not going to be Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. It's going to be God that gets him out. Why? Because God didn't want Joseph relying. It was my hand that pulled me out of prison. God's building character in him. So, um, you know, one of my things is, are you ready for promotion? To God to use you, bless you. What are you going to do when you get that blessing from God? Is it going to be all about me, 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 Remember I did this, remember this, remember this, I did this for you, I did this for you. I mean, you're, you're giving to people. No, God's got to build character in you. And until he can build that into you, you're not ready for it. Because why? You could do a lot of damage being a Christian, uh, you know, and obviously the more, more blessed you are, the more money you have, proclaiming the name of Jesus. I mean, here, I hear it all the time. Certain business people, uh, you know, he did this to me, this person did this to me. He says he's a Christian. And, you know, some of it's true and some of it's just people complain, but a lot of times, a lot of Christians, there's no character built into them. They're just baby Christians. And so God has to build that because you could do a lot of damage the more, the higher up God takes you. Uh, you know, and that's why Brother Hagen would tell the story about certain ministers. He would say, go warn this minister that if he doesn't judge himself in three areas, number one, how he loves people, um, how, how he uh, treated money, and uh, what was, I forget what the, was it eating people, and it was one more thing he had to judge himself on, that he would die. Well, that minister passed away, and the Lord says, I can't have him going around doing these certain things and treating people this way with a man of his caliber. I have to bring him home. And so are you ready for God to really promote you? Because the Bible says that the, the, really the higher you're promoted, you're going to be held to a stricter judgment once you receive that. So are you really ready that you, you want you know, bigger, better, more? Um, because he who has been given much, there's going to be a much more required of him. So anyways, are you ready for God to use you? Are you ready for what's coming? Um, are you ready for the unusual and the spectacular? 
Now Paul, Acts 19.11, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Are you ready for God to use you in those things? Can you, do you even know that there was unusual miracles in the Bible that God, that God did? Or are you looking for everything to stay the way that it's always been? I don't think church is ever going to stay the way. I think as we get closer to the rapture, you're going to see more signs and wonders than you've ever seen. Why? Because the Bible tells it. Are you going to get freaked out uh, when church doesn't stay the way that it, it's always been for the last 20 years? Don't, don't get used to it. I believe that's what the Lord has been saying. Matthew 24, false messiahs and prophets will rise up and they'll perform great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even God's chosen ones, New Living Translation, it's a different translation, even the elect. So what he's saying is that you're gonna see great ministers of God, you're gonna see great people of God, and you're gonna see false prophets doing miracles. Are you ready to decipher between which ones are God and which ones are not? Because you're gonna have people come to you, oh, so-and-so's over here doing miracles. What does he believe? I don't know. He believes in a little bit of Lutheranism and a little bit of God knows what. But he's doing it. Look at the miracles. Well, the Bible says unusual things are coming on the earth. I don't, it doesn't matter. There's, all, there's a power of God and there's a power of Satan. Do you know which one's being used? The Bible says test the spirits that you would know them. What's being at work behind them? Um, let's see. Matt Acts 2. I'll pull out my spirit. It says in the last days I'll pull out my spirit on all flesh. And I'll show you wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of that great and awesome day of the Lord. Come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he's saying that in the last days, there's going to be signs and wonders. Are you ready? Or is it going to scare you when that happens? Are you going to run and hide? I was telling this, are you ready for the next pandemic? Pandemic. You ready for Dr. Fauci to... And Bill Gates, I mean, Pfizer's already saying that there's going to be a small, Bill Gates said there's going to be a smallpox one that's coming they're preparing for. Pfizer's, you know, and their stocks are obviously going through the roof too. As, as, you know what the CDC does? They sell vaccines. I looked it up. That's what they are. Their job is they make money selling vaccines. They, you know, the World Health Organization is not the world. Everybody's in business. Come on, people. They're making money. You've seen Pfizer's and Moderna stocks going through the roof. Everybody's getting a paycheck. And so are you ready for, um, the Bible says that the men of the earth will actually put themselves against the sons of God. And it says that they plan vain things. That's why they were praying in the book of Acts. They say, look at them. They'll make great threats, but pray that you'll do signs and wonders among your people. Because why? The Bible says the men of the earth, they're, they're plotting things. There's evil people in the world. Don't, don't live under a rock and think that everybody out there is good and that the government it has your best interests. If you look at all the things the government's done in the past, the, the Tuskegee experiments, all these experiments on people, they don't have your best interest at heart. So are you ready for the next pandemic that's going to hit? Um, because the Bible says in the book of Revelation that there's going to be pestilences that are going to sweep across the earth in Matthew 24. And these things are going to come. So don't, are you going to run and hide? I mean, when we had the first one, we had half the people of the church just went split. I mean, Psalm 91, he'll cover me with his pinions. He'll cover me with his wings. You know, the Lord is my healer. Boom, out the door. I got to go run and jump in my house and hide. Is it over? Oh, where's your Bible? What happened? What happened to the he who abides under the shadow of the Almighty? He'll say, the Lord is my refuge in who? In him I trust. Not in the World Health Organization I'll trust. Not in the vaccine I'll trust. In him I'll trust. But half the people jetted out of here and said, we got to wait till this is over. Well, 
Matthew 24 says these things are coming on the earth. So are we ready for them? Are we ready for the next one? I believe the church is getting ready. And as the world ramps up, the church is going to ramp up even harder. I mean, the whole point of us reading the Bible and the whole point of Moses and Paul and these people were to get the people to do these works. Paul, his whole mission was to teach the body of Christ to the revelation of Jesus, what Mark Hagen says, the x-ray of what happened in Christ. To teach him, why? To do those works. Jesus says, even these things you'll do and even greater works. I'm going to go unto the Father. So really, the whole preparation of the church is to get them to do the works that Jesus did. It's not that just, Mo- what was Moses' job? He was to prepare the people to go into the promised land. He's not a big shot celebrity that everybody knows him. Oh, Moses, you know, get my picture, my Instagram. No, Moses' job as the shepherd was to get the people ready to go into the promised land. That didn't happen, so God raised up Joshua. Our job is to get you ready to do the works of Jesus. Remember mom taught in the ministry of helps and how important it was? It's a five-fold ministry. Those gifts in the church of the helps ministry are not to be diminished, and they're not, um, you know, Brother Hagin says if you read different chapters of the Bible where it says one of them starts with pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and the other one starts with apostles. So there's really no order. Now, obviously, a pastor is ahead over the local body, But there's a helps ministry that's also in there, and that helps ministry is very important because it supplies every joint to the body. So so we need um, the ministry of helps. We need those things. And so we need to be ready, um, you know, and we're getting you ready. That way you can start doing the works of Jesus so we can start seeing signs and wonders. It's not going to be, it's not, I think the church in America has made it so much of that the pastor's a celebrity Oh, hey, look at me. Look at this pastor. He's on TV. He's got a big, no. It's, um, people said they loved T.L. Osborne. Why? Because they said every great man of God, when they came to our nation, told me how great he was. But when T.L. Osborne came, he told me how great I was. And so that's why they loved Dr. T.L. Dr. T.L. was not there to promote Dr. T.L. Dr. T.L. was there to tell the people how to start being used in the gifts of the Spirit, how to get, how to them to go out and do the works of Jesus. So really, our job as shepherds is to prepare you to get ready for the work Jesus wants you to do. It's not about us being up here on a platform now. Yes, we're standing here, but that's because, you know, so you guys can see, and it looks good online, but really, it's for you guys to start doing the works of Jesus. I expect you guys to start hearing about these things, not that, hey, the pastor's gonna go get them all saved and bring them in. No, the book of Acts grew because the people went house to house, ministering to each other. And that's how it's going to grow in the days ahead. Are you ready to be a witness? Acts 1.8, Jesus told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, you'll receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be a witness unto me into both Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So he's saying, until you receive power, you're not going to be a witness. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you filled with power? Being filled with the power makes you a witness. Um, You know, I don't know if Jake's watching online, but a buddy of mine came up this weekend, and it's actually been an interesting week last week because how many people, you know, uh, gotten filled with the Holy Spirit and been praying for people. Last night, young man in the gym got saved. I'll tell you a little bit about that. But my buddy, um, I was trying, the Lord told me, and this is what a word of knowledge is, I just heard Holy Spirit this whole time we're hanging out. He's from Minnesota. And um, he was telling me, he said, you know, I, I run this company up in Minnesota, and I have all these employees, but it's hard. I don't know if I, I can talk to them about Jesus. It's, you know, it's an employment area. I said, who cares? You own the business. They, whatever. It's your company. Talk whatever. Say whatever you want. Now, obviously, 
you know, within reach, you can't, there's, you know, you can't harass people. But it's your company, and you can talk about the things that, that, that are on your heart to talk about. I mean, what are they going to do, fire you? So, um, but the Lord told me, get them filled with the Spirit. So the other night, we were in the car, went to dinner, and he was, you know, we were talking about different things, and I, I got him filled with the Spirit, but then he wasn't praying. And so I realized that, um, I'm not, I'll sh- share this in a minute, but not knowing that uh, I just was led by the Holy Spirit, this is what's called a word of knowledge, oh, I heard the Lord say, let him pray, because I already prayed over him. I said, okay, I said, Jake, whatever you have, just pray. So he starts praying in English. The Lord told me, put your hands on him, pray in the Spirit. So I prayed in the Spirit. He's praying in English, and next thing you know, he starts praying in the Spirit. He just, blah, he's like, whoa, what is that? Because he's, you know, Lord, bless, you know, and I pray for my family, and I pray this, and pray for, and he just takes off. And um, it's funny, he went down to South Florida. He witnessed to his mom. He's witnessing to his sister. He's reading his Bible, and he calls me. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm on fire. And I said, well, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. It's for what? It's for power. That's why it's hard to witness when you have no power behind you. That's why Jesus says, don't even leave Jerusalem until you get endued with power. In the last days, you need to be so filled with the Spirit of God because God needs that power to start being used. And you don't know, really, what's going to happen in your day. You need to stay full of power. Um, So Rick Renner says that a, a witness means a supernatural uh, power. It's a system of the Holy Spirit. It's almost impossible, he said, to testify with, about confidence of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. Because that's what his job is, is. He said, another helper is coming. He's going to do what? He's going to testify of me. So if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're going to have a hard time testifying of Jesus. You're going to have a hard time talking about Jesus. It's almost going to be where you're like, I don't know if I should say this. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, you just say whatever. And it, but you're like, whoa, did I say that? And then you walk away, I'm so sorry I said all that. Well, the Holy Ghost is speaking through you. Um, he says, testify comes from a Greek word, mantra, which means witness or to give a good report. It's where we get the word, Greek word martyr, referring to someone who obtains a righteous testimony as a result or willingness to accept suffering or death rather than to renounce his faith in Jesus. That kind of courage only comes from a supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit, empowering the believer to testify to Jesus, of Jesus regardless of any pressure or opposition no matter how severe. The Holy Spirit got on the, on the apostles so much. I think every, most of the apostles were, died. John, like dad was saying, or mom was saying, was boiled. Um, many apostles, I think uh, Peter was, was crucified upside down. I mean, but the, the, he was saying was the, test, the Holy Spirit was so powerful on them, they'd rather die than renounce Jesus. That's a powerful, you got to get so filled with the Spirit of God, they say, we're going to crucify you, and you just say, ha, 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 whatever. That's how powerful that testimony has to be, but it's only when the Holy Spirit um, comes upon you. Are you, I said this earlier, are you ready to receive the blessing? We'll skip that one. Are, are you ready to get people filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you get them filled with the Holy Spirit? Because people are coming. I mean, I've had it this week, a buddy all the way from Minnesota. He said when he landed in Orlando, he said the Lord told him, go to my house. And he was calling me, hey, I'm in town. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, another person, you know, which ministry, it's like never ending. I'm trying to get a break. And uh, he's like, I'm gonna buy you dinner. I'm driving all the way to Orlando. So he lands in Tampa, drives all the way up. And he said, all I heard from the Lord was come to you. I don't know what I need, but I need something. And the Lord told me, get him filled with the Holy Ghost. And now it's amazing how much work that he's out doing. Now he's, he's telling everybody about Jesus and he's very influential in the business world. 
He, he knows people in Miami. He knows people in Florida. And I'm thinking, man, I, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rewards on this, right? You know, because now I, the work that I put into him, he's going out. I'm, that's what I'm doing. You're creating a disciple. Can you, are you ready to make a disciple? So he says in Acts 19, he said to them, did you receive the spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we haven't even as much heard there's a Holy Spirit. Verse uh, 3 says, well, then what were you baptized? They said into John's baptism. So Paul says, indeed, John baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying the people that they should believe on him, Jesus, who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, try that. If you're, if you're having a hard time getting people filled with the Holy Ghost, lay your hands on them. It's, it's scriptural in the Bible. And uh, laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So he, they, it's already in them. They says they already baptized in Jesus, but now the Holy Spirit's coming on them. And they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Romans 8, 26, obviously we know the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions, groanings cannot be uttered. And he searches the heart and the mind of the Spirit. Makes intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. So the, Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit prays the perfect will of God. Those are two scriptures I just... Um, you know, I was talking to Sean about it the other night. I didn't know where the verse was. I just said, oh, let me just look up. Um, it says, who, do, who are you baptized into? Boom. It shows Acts 19. Okay, I know enough to get somebody filled with the Holy Spirit. I know two scriptures, Romans 8, Acts 19 now. I save some of these in my phone sometimes. It's just like two salvation scriptures, two Holy Spirit scriptures. Uh, you need to know enough to explain it to people because they're going to ask questions about it, especially now. Um, are you ready to be an ambassador? What is an ambassador? It's a royal messenger proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Are you just a plumber, a car salesman? Do you just work at the Dollar Tree? No. The Bible says we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So an ambassador goes around as a representative of God asking people to, to um, reconcile themselves to God. So he an ambassador was someone who represented a state or a land to another. It was an official representative of the one who sent them. They were therefore to be treated with the utmost respect. It was a well-known title, one that carried a great deal of respect and dignity, that warranted great decorum on the part of the ambassador, the sender, and the receiver. By ambassador of Christ, Paul meant that Christians to see themselves as representatives of God and to behave accordingly. They had an important job to do, showcase Christ, to deliver his messages so that others would know them too. It's, all, it's as an official representative of a ruler, oh, what are the marks of an ambassador? A ruler of government. Ambassador was sent out with a message in this passage, a Greek placebo was meaning the Old Testament, um, which means uh, a messenger, an envoy, an errand doer, the one who had a task with the crucial news, wisdom, information that gave insight into what marks the ambassador of Christ. An ambassador, to be an ambassador of Jesus means you have to see yourself as a person that is clothed with Jesus' righteousness, his dignity. You're representing the state of heaven. And when you're out talking to people, you're not just somebody who works at the car wash. I'm not just, you know, pastor's do boy. Or I do the maintenance, what's your, what do you do for work? I do the maintenance at the church. Do a little preaching, do a lot of cleaning, this and that. You know, I make videos. That's what the people, you, that's what you do for work, but it's not who you are. You have to see yourself as a person who's clothed with dignity going out representing who Jesus is. You'll change, I think a lot of times, I've seen more power show up 
in me when I'm ministering as I see myself as someone who's representing the state of heaven or, or Jesus as a representative. If you showed up as a representative of the United States government, there's a lot of authority and power behind what you're saying is you're their messenger. So that's what Jesus is saying. You're representing all of heaven and me and my word and you're showing up. Are you ready to be that to people? Do you see yourself that way? Or do you see yourself as, man, I just work at the Dollar General. My life sucks, you know? No, you're a Christian. You're an ambassador of Christ. Are you ready to move in the gifts of the Spirit? Do you know what they are? I didn't. I've been studying. Actually, Brother Frank was one that took me out to lunch one day, and uh, he said, you know what the nine gifts of the Spirit are? I said, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, maybe prophecy and something about tongues. <laughs> Brother Norville said most ministers don't even know what the nine gifts of the Spirit are. How are, you, how are you going to move in them? How do you ask God for something and have faith, Mark 11, if you say this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, not doubt in your heart, believe those sayings which you say? Well, how do you believe something when you don't even know what it is? You'll have whatsoever you say. So he says, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. What is that? Well, there's different types of prophecy. There's a simple gift of prophecy, which means to exhort or to encourage somebody. There's an office of a prophet. Now, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge does work in the office of a prophet because you're going to see the office of a prophet is a vehicle for the nine gifts to move in. But all prophecy is not the same. There's different types of prophecy. You can prophesy in your own time, over your own life, when you're praying in the Spirit. You can do a tongues and interpretation in the truck on the way to, on the way to work. Uh, I prayed something out the other day, driving um, my friend's red truck about his truck. I, I just wrote it down. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I'm not going to share it totally until it happens, but I think it was a tongues and interpretation. I was giving a truck back to my friend, the, red, the big red truck, because he came home, and I was laying my hands just to bless it, and then I started to pray. I mean, it was in tongues, and then it came out in English. And I was like, whoa, is that a, that a, is that a tongues and interpretation over this thing? So I wrote it down. I'm going to shelf it and see what happens. But that's why, I, that's why I'll know. I mean, I, I like to test those things. I don't just, Brother Hagin says, prove something out before you just say this is what it is. So I'm going to, but a lot of that works in your own life. Um, let's see. Paul says, I wouldn't have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12.1. So he's saying the body of Christ should not be ignorant on the gifts of the Spirit. That was actually a command by Paul to the church. So a lot of people, though, are ignorant today. Three revelation gifts are word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and a discerning of spirits. They're going to work, Brother Hagin said, a lot together. A word of wisdom is a future revelation by the Spirit of God concerning divine purposes, plans, and the mind of God, things that will come to pass. Uh, it can work in the vehicle of prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy is for, like I said, edification, exhortation, and comfort. There's no foretelling, but when the utterance has some revelation in it, it's coming from a word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is always going to be future, and I'll show it to you, um, Acts 9, 10 through 16. Actually, no, I'm going to go, then you have next, you have a word of knowledge. This is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God containing certain facts in the mind of God about people, places, or thing, present or in the past. A word means a fragment of the mind of God. So if you have a lawyer, you don't want to know the entire law. There's too many laws in America. There's laws on every state level, the government level. There's low, I mean, you go just on gun laws alone. There's a million of them. What you can and can't. Then you, every state has different gun laws what you can do with a firearm. 
You don't need to know the whole law. I mean, there's laws on marriage and divorce. You don't need to know all of it. All you need to know is what's for your current situation. That's why God will give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Now, knowledge is just a fact. It's a piece of information on a fact on people, places, or things, past or present current situation. I'll explain to you how that looks today. Now, I'm going to give you Acts 9. There's a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. What is that? That's a word of knowledge. It's a fact. It's a place. It's a person's home. Um, behold, he's praying, and in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias coming, putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. So then Ananias said, Lord, this guy's a terrible guy. So he says, um, the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel, for I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So what's happening here? Now God's telling Ananias, I'm going to show you something about his future. I'm going to give you a wisdom about the mind of God, what's coming for this man. So sometimes when Mary Fran talks to you, she'll tell you things to come. What is that? That's a word of wisdom of what's coming. So the more we know about these things, the more we can move when we start hearing God uh, talk to us. So like when I was saying with my buddy Jake, all the Lord said was one word, Holy Spirit. I think that was a word of knowledge. Just this is what you do, get them filled. And then when I was praying with him, the Lord said, lay your hands. It's a present situation. So yesterday I'm at the gym. There's a young man who's cleaning. His name's Eric. And um, he was talking to me. You know, we, I don't know. We started talking about different things. But then it got to the point of we got to start talking about how his dad's a Catholic. But then he grew up Lutheran. And we talked for a while. And then it was like we were talking too long. And he kind of had to get back to work. So I just I let him go back to work. And then um, I was like, man, Lord, just kind of praying in my spirit. I, you know, I... I'm sorry, I, I want to get him born again. And the Lord said, when, um, here's what you do with him. So this is, I believe, is a word of knowledge, present situation. Pray, because he was telling me about how he wants to quit the gym, and maybe he's going to be a trucker, because he needs to make more money. And so all this was coming so fast. So it's, are you ready to be used? Are you ready for this moment to hear God? Are you close in fellowship with him for when these moments are coming? So then I, I said, okay, so he says, pray with him. The, to make Jesus Lord and then pray out the perfect will of God, but use it. And I mean, he said he was a Christian, but when you when you say you're a Christian and you grew up Lutheran, your dad's Catholic. I don't know what to believe. I, I take it as you're not. You're probably not saved. A lot of people just say that, so I like to make sure. So I believe that was a, a word of knowledge moving. And in fact, pray with them about the perfect will of God, but make me Lord in the beginning of the prayer. I said, okay. Before I, I finished, I'm sitting on the bench. Before I got done, he walked back around. And he said, I want to I say something else about, um, you know, being, being Lutheran or something. So he started talking. I was like, oh, my gosh, he came back. I'm like, listen, this is on you. It's your job, whatever. And there wasn't a lot of people there yesterday. So he got done finished telling me about something that happened to him in the Lutheran school. It was very devastating. And I don't know why he felt that he wanted to share that. So I said, Let's pray about what you said earlier about your future. Can I pray with you about the will of God? You said you're a Christian, right? He said, yeah, I'm a Christian. But, you know, for the best that he knows. Um, so I said, okay, repeat this prayer. I said, you know, do you want to pray? He said, yeah. All right, repeat, repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father. So he says, Heavenly Father, I make you Lord of my life. I make you Lord of my life. I'm asking you to show me your perfect will. See, God will show you. And boom, it was a short prayer. What, I mean, like Paul says, it says that when Paul was blinded on, on the road to Damascus, it says that he said, Lord Jesus, who are you? But he called him Lord, which means what? Master. 
uh, uh, you know, a lord was somebody that once you give them that, that ability, they rule over you. They're responsible for you. So I, I had, you know, Jesus says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't always pray him through a long prayer, especially if I don't have time. But I believe that he gave me his consent. He already said that he was somewhat Christian with all these Lutheran and different backgrounds that he had. And uh, I believe that that's a gift of the Spirit, an operation. Why? Perfecting, getting people saved and perfecting them. And I believe that if we move in the gifts of the Spirit, if we know them, we'll see a lot more of these things happening. So anyways, I thought that was pretty neat that as soon as the Lord said that to me, he walked right back, he right, walked right back to me. I mean, I didn't have to go chase him down, you know. And sometimes, you know, if I feel led to do that. But a lot of times the Lord's been bringing people to me. I'm like, just my phone's, oh, I want to come have lunch with you today. And it's just been coming. So um, let's, let me see. What is the next one? Um, oh, I was going to say I, I had a word of knowledge. Um, a word of knowledge can show up in a vision as well. One night in Daytona, I was working. There was a security guard there. And he was telling me about everything. Uh, you know, he, he didn't want to get saved because I asked him. We talked for a while. And then that night I had a dream about somebody uh, and people uh, were stabbed. There was a pool of blood, big fight. I couldn't, I, I remembered most of it. So the next day I told him we were out all night in, in this field with Kevin and Leslie doing the tent crusade. But there was a man there who wasn't saved doing security. So I was there obviously working until super late at night. Then I start talking to this guy, you know, then he had, he's married, but he's got a girlfriend showing up. So I'm like asking him questions about it. Just like, you know, what, what's going on? Who's this? And he goes, oh, that's my, that's my side chick, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just, he goes, do your wife know about it? Yeah, we kind of have this, this understanding. And I'm like, good Lord, I got to get this guy saved. So I, I, I don't go into all that with him. Mainly I talk to him about Jesus because really you're trying to change a person who's already, you know, they're already lost. So uh, the Lord gave me a dream the next night about him, and I believe that was a word of knowledge about his past. So I told him, I said, the next night or third night, we're talking again. And uh, one of the nights, the, like the second night, he received Jesus. And then one of the nights, I said, hey, I, we, we were out here so late till like four in the morning, three in the morning talking. I had this crazy dream. So I told him. The guy just like his eyes turned wide open. And I said, you ever been, you ever been stabbed before? And, uh, oh, he was saying that he was working a job and he got stabbed by a lady as a security officer. So I stopped and said, have you ever been stabbed? He pulls up his shirt and there's knife wounds all in his chest. And he starts crying. And uh, his best friend got stabbed to death when he was a couple years back and was murdered. And um, he's had this just chip on his shoulder, hating everybody. And um, I actually got to see that in a, in a dream. Why? Was that for me to look spiritual and cool? No, it was to help him. So that's when he like, was like, whoa. He's like, how did you know that? Or like, what? He goes, what are you? I said, I'm, <laughs> I said, I'm just a believer. I'm a Christian. Like, you just gave your heart to Jesus last night. But the gifts of the Spirit are to be used to help people, to bring them to Jesus, to show them that Jesus knows what they're going through. And so I believe that was another vehicle through a dream or a vision that a word of knowledge can be, um, can be brought. Now, another one's discern of spirits, which means to see and hear into the spirit realm, to actually see. Brother Hagin said when he was praying for people, the Lord, sometimes it wasn't uh, the work of the flesh. People get envy, the, the hatred. That's works of the flesh. They need to, you know, that's stuff they need to deal with. Paul says, I put my body under. 
There's works of the flesh, and then there's actual spiritual things that are hindering people. Now, not everybody has a devil, but a lot of times Satan can be moving behind a situation. But in some cases, the Lord will show you maybe through a vision or a dream, or just you'll hear the Lord say, this is what it is, and then you just take authority over it. Um, that's, that's also uh, a working, um, a, the power gifts are in operation because you're not going to get the demon off of them. Um, I forget which one, that's like a special, I think it's special kinds of faith. Because then you're using your faith that when you speak to that spirit, that spirit's going to get off that person. So Brother Hagin said he'd be in a healing line, and he'd see a spirit attached to somebody. And he'd say, in the name of Jesus, I command you spirit to get off them. That's the special faith, obviously, in operation. Special faith is um, something beyond your natural ability of faith. What was the Smith Wigglesworth said, the reason most people don't move in special kinds of faith is because they never even use the faith they have in the word. Once you get, he, Smith Wigglesworth said, once I got beyond my faith, I would stretch out to God's special faith. That's why he saw a lot of miracles that he did. Also, um, so discerning of spirits, words of knowledge, word of, of wisdom. The power gifts are gifts of faith, working in miracles, gifts of healing. You'll see a lot of these um, work together. Special faith was when, like when Elijah was being fed by the ravens. The Lord said, go to the brook Cherith. He had to have a faith that God was going to feed him there. I was, um, went to Tennessee earlier this year. I don't do this all the time because it's, it's just unwise to jump in your car and drive off with no money because you're going to run out of gas. And that's happened to me. You run out of food. That's happened to me all the time in the past. But this situation, the Lord told me this summer, go to Tennessee and see your family and there's going to be some things, you know, I didn't know everything that was going to happen, but hindsight, what happened was I went and saw my aunt on her birthday. I delivered a package that I built for my cousin. Um, I, you know, I built him some things. And then uh, my, she had a birthday. Then Mary Fran, we got to have lunch. And then I went and saw another friend and picked up some items for a business that I had started, uh, some computer parts that I needed. It was about two or $3,000. And all this was a lot of money. I didn't have any of it. And the Lord just said, go. So I said, all right, God, I'm going to believe you that I have the money. I believe, I mean, I wouldn't do this on my own faith. I would never do that. But I, I just had this thing come over me where like, okay, I'm just going to go take a step of faith and do it. I feel like that was a special kind of faith. So like two days before I leave, because I said, I called them. I'm coming. I'm coming. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I got a hundred bucks and hopefully I make it. And we'll figure it out. I never do that. That's something Nathan Mercado does. I don't ever do that. I like to plan, you have money, this is where you're going, how much gas you need, how much food and snacks do you need. So dad comes in and hands me like 200 bucks like right before I leave. Said, no, the Lord told me to give this to you. Boom, now I got 300, sweet. Driving up there and the Lord says, pray that your cousin you know, pays you more for what you did for him. So I prayed. My cousin put a little extra cash on top after I delivered the item and he gave it to me. I said, wow, praise God. Then I go out to lunch with Mary Fran, didn't know this was going to happen. She wrote me a large check. Oh, my goodness. Then I'm driving down to Georgia, and the Lord says, uh, speak and say that your friend's not going to charge you. He's just going to give you the item. So I said, I pray, I said, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to get charged for these computer parts. So what, what we did when I got there, he said, oh, don't pay me now. He said, just take them. And he says, but I want you to buy this for me, and you pay for that, and then I'll just split the difference. So this was later on. So all this happened, boom, 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 and Mary Fran told me it was really the whole thing was to go up. She needed, she wanted to talk about some certain things that God was going to do. 
So I knew that, that was a, I needed a special kind of faith to do that. So there's times that when you're going to step out beyond ordinary types of faith, and you're going to do things, and you're going to say things, or you're going to pray for things, and that you're going to have this confidence and this boldness is just going to hit you, and you're going to declare it, and then you're going to go, whoa, what did I just say? You know, oh my goodness, like, you know, I just said in front of the whole church, someone's going to give us a million dollars. Where did that come from? You know, so there's times you're going to make bold declarations in prayer, and I believe that we have those gifts moving more sometimes than we think we do. So um, special faith, workings of miracles, gifts of healing. Um, a working of a miracle was like Elijah and the widow, Jesus and the wine, the feeding of 5,000. That was a working of a miracle, something beyond the ordinary. And, you know, the, Brother Hagin says the Bible still works every time. Uh, you can get your answer by faith. But there's some things that, you're, that are bigger than what you're, where you're at. You know what I mean? If God tells you to do something and, like, let's say, put on a crusade, and that's more than you can believe for, you're going to need special kind of faith to do these, these works. So the nine gifts of the Spirit aren't uh, just for us to read. They're for us to be operating in. We should be moving in these all the time as the Spirit wills, which means you may not use them every day, but there's going to be times in your life throughout the week you may need one for this moment. Or you're going to need another one for this one. Or you're going to need another one for that one. Uh, Jesus had the spirit without measure, but he says to each one he's given the measure of faith and a measure of the gifts of the spirit. The utterance gives our prophecy diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Um, prophesy means to speak for another. The simple gift of prophecy, obviously there's different types and I told you that. Diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, you can do that in your own time. You know, at home, there's going to be that in a service. You'll see Mark Hankins and Trenna Hankins. She'll give out a tongues, and he'll give out the interpretation. That's one way it's used corporately. But there's also times you're going to use it privately. A lot of times in your own life, you'll be praying out, and then you'll pray out in the natural. You're doing a gift of the Spirit. So they move more, more than you know. Okay, are you ready to receive a crown? Revelations 3.10, because you've kept my commandments to persevere, I also keep you from the hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. So Jesus is saying, hold fast to what you believe. I'm going to give you a crown. Well, I looked it up. There's five crowns in the Bible. Do you know what they are? There's a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not to me only, but unto all that love him at his appearing. This crown, uh, one commentary said its crown is for the people uh, who love Jesus and they're ready for his appearing when he comes back, and they're righteous by faith, salvation. That's the crown of righteousness. Uh, incorruptible crown, second one, 1 Corinthians 9.25. Every man that strives for the mastery for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we incorruptible. An incorruptible crown, this one commentary, is for people who brought their body into subjection. They disciplined their body. They had self-control. They ran their race. They did the call of God. They did what God asked them to do, and they ran the race like Paul said. Do you know that all race, all, all runners race to com compete? But there's only one who receives a prize. So run your race that you may hold of the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete goes into training, conducts himself temper temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do this to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessing that cannot wither. Therefore I do not run with uncertainty. 
I do not box like one beating the air and striking when without an adversary, but like a boxer, I'll buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it to things pertaining, that I myself should become unfit not to stand the test, to be unapproved, and to be rejected as a counterfeit. That's amazing that Paul wrote wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says, even I, after all the revelations I had, if I don't run and, and, tell, and put my body and put my flesh under and discipline myself that I could become a castaway. I could be rejected and the prize and the crown that God has for me. I mean, that's a scary thought. I mean, look at all that Paul did. And he even said, I buffet my body. I train it roughly that I may receive an imperishable crown. Those are for people that what the commentary was saying that run their race and do the will of God. So there's a crown for salvation and there's a crown for those who do God's will. Now, one Different commentaries say you're not going to wear it on your head. It's going to be like a robe, a crown that's on you that people can see. I don't know. I don't know. what It's going to be interesting. Is it a crown with five different types of crowns? It's, I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, are you going to wear them? It says we all cast our crowns before the feet of Jesus. But is it, do we do that when we worship him? Then you put it back on when you walk out? You know, or, you, or is it sitting in your, your house, in your mansion? I, I don't really, there's just a lot of speculation that goes on. But one thing I know for sure that if the Bible says, Paul says we do it for an imperishable crown, he's saying strive for this. Strive to, he said, um, one, Jonathan says if an athlete will go through rigorous training, I mean, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they train, they eat healthy, they beat their bodies to win a perishable crown. But most of the body of Christ, man, you can't even get them to do anything halfway without being lazy or too tired or this and that or, you know, drink a little bit, smoke a little bit, party a little bit, go to church a little bit. And Paul's saying, Paul's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put my body to receive this crown from Jesus. I mean, if, if it's sad the world has more, um, you know, what is that word, apt to push hard for something that, they're, you know, you, they win 2019 Olympics, but you're not going to win 2020. But they'll, they'll hold on to that for the rest of their life, and it's perishable. And how the body of Christ, we hardly train. I hardly can get to the gym sometimes four days a week <laughs> just to put my body under. I like going to the gym because it does, it does uh, because if you quit going for a while, you get lazy, and your body's like, you, oh, I don't, it hurts. It hurts. And sometimes I'm like, no, you body, you get in there, you're going to work out. You're not going to eat all the sugar and junk. You're not going to say whatever you want to people. You're going to control yourself. You're going to walk in love. I mean, we do that, but it's for a good reason. We're going to receive a crown. The crown of life is the number third, number three. Uh, I think it's James 1, blesses the man that endures temptation. When he's tried, he shall receive what? The crown of life. So this crown is for those that are enduring temptation. They're holding fast to what Jesus said, doing his word. So, um, fear those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Oh, Revelations 2.10. For none of those things which you shall suffer, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. You'll be tried. You'll have tribulation 10 days. But be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Uh, crown of life, one commentary says, is for people who've patiently endured trials, testings, persecutions, people who have bravely confronted persecutions for Jesus, even to the point, possibly death. So that's the crown of life. Um, that's a commentary wrote, but it's, so Revelation says that that's for being persecuted, but James 1.12 says, bless the man that endures temptation. I'd have to do a deeper study on what he's talking about there. Crown of glory is number four, 1 Peter 5, 2-4. Feed the flock of God. He's talking to pastors. 
taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly for filthy lucre, be ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but you're being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you'll receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Now he's talking to people that are in fivefold ministry, saying, do your job, be happy, love the people, take care of them, feed them, and when I come, I'm gonna give you the crown of glory for this. Now I have my thoughts on this. If a pastor cannot do the job alone, because it takes what? The ministry of helps. And what? A lot of, and most people are going to be qualified. The fivefold, the body of Christ is going to be in the ministry of helps. So if that's a fivefold ministry, wouldn't you be eligible to get a crown of glory? The pastor cannot do this whole job by himself. So David says those who go forth and fight and those who stay back with the spoils will both receive what? The same reward, divided up evenly. So he's telling them that you'll get the, I believe, the crown of glory. Now, this is just my thoughts, because he's saying the crown of glory is for every person who feeds the flock, pastors, apostles, evangelists, and teachers, ministers of the Great Commission. Well, a lot of people fall in the ministry of helps. A lot of people help the pastor feed the flock. The pastoral job is not a one-man show. It is the whole body of Christ uh, working together. I mean, church, like you saw the video Wednesday, is a lot of moving people to do things. When we go out and minister, when people that clean the church, people that do this, they do that, they food. All that works so that he can stand up and preach. And it all, every joint supplies what it needs. Like mom was saying, the, um, Paul says you can't see the internals, but they're just as important. You may see the eyes and the ears, like the pastors and the prophets out front, but that, that person needs blood, they need a heart, they need toes, and that's the what? That's the ministry of helps. That's the other five-fold ministry working together. So I believe that the crown of, lot, crown of glory will be a lot, a lot of people that helped the five-fold ministry accomplish and do the will of God. Number five is the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. For what is our hope or joy, crown of rejo- or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? That's all that says. I didn't do a big, deep study on that, but there is a crown of rejoicing. Is it a crown because you rejoice or a crown of rejoicing when you get to heaven? I'm not sure. Maybe that's um, something to do a deeper study on. Okay. I said, are you ready You know, are you ready for the next um, pandemic? Did I read to you signs? I want to read this to you. I don't think I read this. There's, a, um, there's parts in this book that talks about signs on the earth that are coming and that um, you know we shouldn't be, I think this was back to uh, unusual signs. Luke's gospel added at the end of the age there would be fearful sights in the earth. Great signs shall be from heaven. The word fearful sights is a mystery. Base comes from a Greek word, depicts fright, horror, something that's scary. And ancient Greek writers actually use this word to describe monsters. And these words conjure up horrific images, that palpable feeling of dread and horror. So this is what he's saying when you see, you say, you'll see signs in the end. Um, and that's what I was saying earlier. You know, the, Jesus says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Now the rest of the world is going to endure this, but we shouldn't be afraid with whatever's coming next. You've already, we've already seen what happened in the last year. Another one was Luke 21, 11. Jesus continued in his prophecy about the last days, adding great signs will be from the heavens. This Greek word depicts great as a verse describing something that it can have mega impact. Depicts something that has a mon- monu- monumental, far-reaching, and deep impact on the earth of itself and, its cit- and the citizens, where there's great signs will appear from the heaven 
or sky, it says much the human race will actually be aware of them. When we see these signs, we should realize that really um, we're on the precinct of something that's never happened before and that, we're, that Jesus is coming soon. Great signs from the heavens can be endless of its meaning. Scientists suggest possible solar flares, short-circuiting electrical connections, communications, a complete shutdown of the internet. Um, Jesus was saying it could be a meteor or asteroid. They don't really know, but he's saying that there's going to be great signs. That he says, um, Luke 21, at the end of the age, there'll be great signs from the heavens will have great impact on the population of the earth. So there's going to be great signs that come, and we're not supposed to be afraid of them. Um, like I was saying earlier, the Bible says that in the book of Acts that uh, David said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth will take their stand. The rulers will gather it against the Lord and his anointed. So we need to be ready um, for the things that are coming on the earth. We need to be ready for the, what's, what's happening. Do you, do you know scriptures on, on healing? Do you know scriptures on salvation? Do you, are you ready when people ask you about your faith? What you're gonna say to them? For, so that's the next one. Are you ready when people ask you about your faith? First Peter 3.15. Treat the Messiah as holy as Lord in your hearts while remaining always ready to give a reason answer to anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have with humility and with fear. So it says be ready to answer, give a reasoned answer to anyone who asks you. Proverbs 15, 28, a righteous, heart of a righteous will study how to answer. So the other night in Winn-Dixie, I'm in there getting food and a, a friend of ours uh, that Sean and I know, his name's Blake, I keep seeing him all the time. And after a while, you start picking up the signs that something's happening here. When you start seeing the same person all the time, you're like, okay. So we start talking about the book of Revelation and, and um, what's coming on the earth because he had questions. I, and I have to be ready. I have to know enough about the book of Revelation or just enough about what's going on in the world today to, to at least to answer him. So I had an answer for him because he started asking me. He's like, do you, know, do you think the vaccine's the mark of the beast? Well, No. Why? Because the mark of the beast says it'll be, there will be an image that it'll breathe life into, that image will come alive, and then everyone will have to worship and they'll get a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. So that's, um, that's the next one is are you ready to answer people about the mark of the beast, Revelations 13. I just want you to know this. Is not, not, this is not to scare you, but to me, the Lord's just saying, tell the people to get ready. Just to, just to know. You just need to know if people say, what's, what's this? Do you think the vaccine's the mark of the beast? No, I don't think the vaccine's the mark of the beast, but I do think that if the government keeps telling you to take this and to take that and take all your booster shots, and then one day you're going to take a microchip, and then one day it's going to be a 666. With a, maybe it's a barcode. Maybe it's really tiny. Maybe you don't even see it. Maybe it's like, you know, it's clear. Well, I don't really think that because I'm going to read to you what it says. Let's start at verse 11. I saw another beast coming up from out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all authority as the first beast in his presence and caused the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So one thing he's going to do, he's going to tell the people to worship the first beast, which whatever that is, I don't know. He, he'll perform great signs so that even he'll make fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Have we seen that happen yet? No. Um, are we going to be here? I don't know. Many people say we're going to be caught up before this moment. Okay. Hey, I hope so. But if not, I'm going to be ready. That when I see these things, I know I'm not messing with that. He'll perform great signs that even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. He who deceives 
he'll deceive the, um, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth and those signs which was granted to him to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lift. So he's going to make an image. It's going to be a thing, like a statue. He was granted power to give breath to the image. Have we seen that? No. So um, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? No, because there's no image, there's no beast, there's no breath. The image of the beast should both speak. Is there an image of a beast speaking somewhere? No. So when people say, oh, this is the mark of the beast, nah, uh, Revelation 13 says it's not. Um, he was granted power to breathe to the image of the beast, verse 15, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes both all, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead that no one may buy or sell except those who have the mark or the name of the beast and his number, what it says later in 18, is calculated 666. It's the number of man. So I know enough about the mark of the beast that when I'm talking to somebody, I say, well, I don't think it's the mark of the beast because it's going to be an image. It's going to be alive. He's going to kill people who don't take it. I don't think this is it. But I do think it's getting ready. So I know enough, I've read this a few times, to know that there is an actual mark in there. It says 666. It says it will be on their right hand or it will be on their forehead. So when some, if someone says they're going to put this, 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 or somewhere else, that's not the mark. But um, I think it's getting people ready to, I mean, imagine if the next four or five years all they're doing is injecting people with stuff. And everyone's just so used, oh, just get another injection. Oh, I got a microchip. Oh, I got this. I got that. The next thing you know, oh, there's a barcode coming out. And the number's kind of hard to see, but it looks like it says 666, but it's really tiny. You can't even see it. Most people, if they've taken all the other stuff, they're going to take it. Why? You can't buy or sell. You can't eat. Do you trust God enough? I, like I said, I don't know if we're going to be here, but I'd rather carry a gun and not have to use it. Be ready for a situation. I'd rather know martial arts and never use it. Not just walk around going, well, you know, I don't think it'll ever happen to me. Well, I, I hope most of the... the, the you know, end time preaching's right. I really don't want to be around for that. But if we are, but another thing that it scares people enough to where you, it opens the door for the gospel. And then they say, um, well, yeah, oh man, they, they see the vaccine happen. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to take that. Because once it says you receive the mark, you can never be saved. So I said, well, are you going to take it? And then they say, well, how do I know if I'm even saved? And I, you take it to them and say, okay, well, have you ever made Jesus Lord? And that's a good way to get people, you get people ready um, to, to know about Jesus. Are you ready to pray? Um, so the, I think that as the time of the end comes, you're going to need to know how, the Bible says pray in the spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition. There's all different kinds of prayer. Uh, pray in the prayer of faith. There's the prayer of salvation. Um, there's the prayer of consecration to God. There's different types of prayer. So sometimes when I'm out with people, the Lord will say, like yesterday was a prayer of consecration. This guy was, it was salvation and consecration. I want to dedicate and, and not only just be saved, but I want to give my, I want to do anything, Lord, that you're telling me to do. And then the prayer of faith is when you're believing for something. So like Brother Hagin said, sports, sport, everything's the same. Rules are rules. So one guy said, yep, every sport's the same. It's not. There's different rules for every sport. There's different rules for different types of prayer. There's prayer in the spirit. Um, there's prayer, there's confession in prayer. So you have to know different types of prayer. Are you ready to pray for people? Praying for your loved ones. Are you ready to see them lost for eternity? Are you ready to see your neighbors lost? No. Pray for them. 
Pray for people that you know. I feel like God is even putting on my heart my neighbors more than anything and people that I see at the gym that I don't want to be forever without. So that, um, are you ready? Are you ready? If you were to die right now, are you ready? Did you finish your work? Are you done if something were to happen? Are you ready to see Jesus? Are you ready to meet him? I, I don't think I'm ready to die right now. Daniel 12, 2 says, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. So uh, also 1 Corinthians 15, it says, I'll tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised to imperishable, and we shall all be changed for this perishable body must be put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. And the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. And then shall come to pass saying it is written, death will be swallowed up. Death is the last enemy. So one day we're going to get a new body. I'm ready for that. I'd like to have it. I said, Lord, can I get it on, on, a, on loan? Can I get it on credit? Can I get it now? Like, you know, maybe 50% credit. <laughs> but um, are you ready that let's just say you became a martyr they deliver you up and kill you, hated by all nations for my namesake, Matthew 24. Are you ready that if you did die, that to stand before Jesus? Are you, you, are you happy with your life and what you've done? Are you happy? Do you, have you given your best? Do you give to missions? Do you give to the kingdom of God? Do you think about um, eternity? Your life is boom, here and gone. What are you doing today? I mean, some of you guys remember, I feel like I'm 32 and I, I was, you know, they say life just, boom, years go by, quicker and quicker and quicker. What are you doing for the Lord that's going to stand? It says, we'll be tried by fire. Each man will receive what's been done according to his work when Jesus at the appearing of Jesus. So as what you're doing, it says, if it's works of the flesh, it'll burn up. But if it was things done in the spirit for God, it'll, you'll receive a reward for that. Um, do you know what, what you're supposed to be doing with your life? And are you ready for that moment? Me, I'm not ready for it yet. There's a lot more I want to do for the Lord. I feel like there's a lot more... Things that I feel like that it, I'm not going to be happy until I accomplish his will completely. So, um, you know, but that if I had to be a martyr, I could do it. I believe I could. Filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm not changing my mind about Jesus if this were to happen. So not that it's to scare people, um, but just to be ready. Are you ready to sacrifice time and prayer to do his will? Uh, are you ready for the Bama seat? Now, I was just talking about this. So R Romans 14.10 it says, why do you all judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? We'll all stand before the judgment, which actually in Greek means the Bema seat. Some people say Bema, seat of Christ, where it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess to God, so that each one of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, uh, not put into some block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So he says every person will give an account of himself to God. I think in Second um, Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, we make it our aim, present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one would receive the things done in the body, which is here now, according to what he's done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, and we're all knowing to God that we are trust. And known in his good conscience. So he's saying, you're going to receive things done here in this body. So like Rick Renner was saying, do you sow to missions? Do you give to missions? Do you give to the church? Do you, go, do you minister to people? Do you invite people over? Give them dinner, feed them, take care of them, talk to them about the Lord. I mean, just a million things you can do for people. Do you love people? I heard, I don't know where I heard this, but 
some guy was, uh, was talking and he said he died and went to heaven and he said Jesus' main thing was did you love people? He really cared about how you treated and loved people, how you loved your wife, how you loved your neighbor, how you treated your friends and your coworkers. So I think there's a lot of that. We're going to be, you know, you're saved by grace through faith, but there's going to be a reward system when we get to heaven, crowns given out. And I want to be useful with my time. I want to be useful with my talents, making sure that I'm already 32, and next thing you know, I'll be 60 if the Lord tarries. But what Billy Brim's saying is that God does everything by sevens, and that this is a Jewish Shemitah, which is a seventh year for the Jewish people right now. 2021 to 2022 is a Jewish Shemitah, which means the seventh year. God does everything in sevens. So she's saying that God's always on a time calendar. He's not sporadic. His times and seasons. So she said if it doesn't happen this year, it'll be seven more years, 2029. Feast of Trumpets, which is when? September. That's in the fall. So that's their prediction. I don't know. We might be seeing that could be seven more years, and we see that. So if that's only all we have, I'm going to do all that I can for Jesus. I'm, I'm, you know, you're just going to get, I'm just going to get more serious. Um, the last one, or no, there's two more, but uh, are you ready to meet Jesus? Oh, my goodness, it's 12 o'clock. Preaching like pastor. I'll make this quick. So you must keep watch. You do not know the day of the Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when the burger was coming, he would keep watch and not permit the house to be broken into. You must all be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. Faithful, sensible servant is the one who the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant's done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if that servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while, he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk, the master will return unannounced, unexpected, and he'll cut that servant into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and a place there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's saying that there's a time coming where Jesus is coming and he's, you know, for those that are watching over the house of God, what are you doing? Um, and there's going to be a reward. You need to be ready. But he said some people are going to go, ah, I got friends to say right now. I don't think he's coming that soon. And what, Friday night, Saturday night, they're out drinking, partying. Jesus is saying, or he's saying here, and uh, Matthew, he's coming in an hour, which you're not expecting. Now, we, know, we may not know the day or the hour, but we can know the time and the seasons, like Dad says. I'm going to be ready to meet Jesus. Last one, are you ready for the millennial reign? I'm not going to read that. That's a 1,000 years. The Bible says we're going to go. We're going to be caught up. Then we're returning for a 1,000 years. And I believe a lot of what we do in the millennial reign is what we did here. What the master's going to, you know, give, you were faithful, we said, with a person with talents, 10 talents, five talents, one talent. Now I'll make you ruler over much because you were faithful with these talents. So, but think about it. This is forever. This is eternity. I think that it's not to scare us, but we should start really thinking about what we're doing now more than anything. Thinking about the people around us. Thinking about, are they going to church? Hey, come to church with me. Hey, let me take you out to lunch. Let me take you to dinner. I mean, buy people food. And, and that's what my buddy did to me. It got me, it, you know, and minister to them about Jesus. Just talk to them. See what's going on in their life. The Holy Spirit will help you. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be weird or just there's many ways that the Holy Spirit, I think, is now going to start drawing us and be moved in the gifts of the Spirit. And so, um, I also want to tell you, if you're not saved today, if you're not born again, I want you to come up. We're going to have some altar workers come up right now. Um, if we could just have some music that plays. And uh, we have some altar workers. If you say, listen, I don't know Jesus. I don't know that I'm going to be with them. I'm not 100% sure. 
like I said, you need to know some scriptures, Romans 10, 9, 10. If you, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. If you've never prayed that, come up today. If you say, I've never, I'm not ready, and you want prayer, not, I mean, we all need to be more ready, but if there's some real things in your life where you're saying, I need to turn back to the Lord today, or rededicate myself, come up and get prayer. Um, and the rest of us, uh, I'm gonna pray over us, but start seriously asking. I wake up now every day and say, Lord, I know you're coming soon. What do you want me doing today? How do I maximize my time here? This is but for a moment. Your life's a vapor in Ecclesiastes. I don't, don't get wrapped up in all the baloney and this and that. The Bible says a soldier doesn't entangle in every affair of life. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But what do you want me doing, Lord, today? Because Enoch says it walked and he pleased God. And it says, because he pleased God and he was faithful, the Lord took him. Really, the Lord's just asking, are you, not that you're doing more than somebody else, but are you faithful with what I asked you to do? Are you faithful in the things that, in the talents that I've given you? And he renders to each one according to your work. If he, one person got, only had three talents. That's all that God required of him. This is our size church. This is all God's requiring of us unless he gives us bigger. I'm glad we don't have 20,000 people. But if he gave us 20,000 people, then he's going to render us according to our work. And so I just encourage you, uh, just maybe go back and listen to it again and ask yourselves, am I ready for everything? Am I ready to talk to people? Am I ready for Jesus? Am I ready for what's coming on the earth? Or am I going to be caught off guard? So let me pray. Lord, I thank you that we'll be ready at your coming. I thank you that we know that this life is short. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. I thank you, Father, that every talent you gave us, we would use it full-heartedly for you. I pray that in the last days, you would use us to minister more than we ever have. I pray that you would take our people, Father God, and turn them into a glorious people, winning the lost, bringing people to church, just enjoying life, witnessing the people, telling them about the goodness of God, being ambassadors, walking around, representing you. I pray we would get heaven-minded, Father God, about what's coming and not get so wrapped up in, in everything on the earth and what's happening, all the, the drama and the news and the media. But Father, start thinking about that it's, your, Jesus is coming soon and on that great and awesome day. And I thank you so much that you'd prepare us, that we're ready, and that you said you'd build your church and the gates of hell wouldn't stand against him. We won't have to be afraid for the, you said you would spare us in the book of Revelation for the hour and the trial that's coming upon the whole earth. You'll spare the saints. I thank you. You said even in your word that even that the days of the, the, the last days will be sped up for the elect's sake, for the saints. You'll speed it up for our sake. And I thank you, Father God, that we'll have so much joy at meeting you and being in heaven and rejoicing and having our friends there. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come on up uh, and have a good Thanksgiving. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5555.
888-565-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.